Welcome to P.S. You Are Loved, hosted by your girls, Serenity and Tanisha. We're two childhood besties who have been through it all. We'll be sharing ideas and stories about personal growth, self-love, and living your best life. And as always, if you haven't been told yet today, P.S. You Are Loved. Welcome back to PS You Are Loved with your hosts, Serenity and Tanisha. We are recording our first episode here uh, remotely because, you know, COVID. But please um, do take a listen to our trailer and share a little bit more about ourselves, why we're doing this. But today we're going to get into some really awesome topics. Yes, I'm excited. It's raining. I'm stuck indoors. I just pulled an overnight all-nighter. And yeah, we're here. <laughs> making it happen so I mean I don't know how you've been feeling serenity I mean I'm sure we all feel the same way about how COVID has been affecting our lives and everyone else's lives but how have you been coping how have you been keeping yourself motivated uh that is such a loaded question um <laughs> <laughs> I previously told you guys that I uh flew into Toronto from New York because this is literally an epicenter and um i teamed myself in a airbnb for two weeks and now i'm staying with my sister so that's like the first little bit of like how i've been dealing with covid um but creating a new schedule has been a challenging task for me um i'm extreme i'm a person who's like very rigid and like following a routine and when that gets like thrown for a loop it's like what do you do now you know especially when it's hours of time that you have to kind of make up for because you're not working um yeah. so that's been a struggle but i have kind of cur- like carved out time every day to do little things throughout whether it's social media or um doing this podcast uh, meditating <laughs> or doing the podcast or <laughs> Yeah, whatever it is. Um, Lots of edibles as well. That's also been a thing for me. Um, Other than that, um, I've also been listening to this uh, DJ called DJ Nice, D D Nice. And oh my God, just such good vibes. Like every day he's kind of like putting out like, you know, music for people to vibe to. So that's been like something I've been looking forward to almost every day. Um, and then just trying to like curve my depression. Like that's something that I've, I've also been struggling with. I think there's been different points in the day and even within the month and then the week where I just feel really, really low. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that I don't really want to do anything. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to talk to anybody. Um, and I've completely distanced myself from the world, um, when I do feel like that. And and that's something that I'm also kind of battling or trying to overcome while this is still in transition, um, I got word today um, as they keep pushing the reopening date uh, mm-hmm. for New York that I'm we're probably not reopening uh, the first phase until uh, until May until June the thirteenth. And when you say reopening, do you mean you being able to go back home, or do you mean like your work as a sugarist? Re reopening is phase one, which is not a part of my job. My job would be considered phase two. Um, and in between each phase, they're going to wait a two week period before they jump into the next phase. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably not looking at until the end of June, um, where I can actually resume, um, somewhat normalcy of what I was doing before. 
Um, but the border for me is open to go back. If that's what I choose to do, I will be here for at least maybe another week or two. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I can kind of go from there and like, see what's happening. But yeah, it's been, it's been super stressful. Like you said, a lot of people are in very similar boats, probably even more worse so than I am. Um, so I'm super grateful and fortunate that I have a sister I can stay with and Mm -hmm. I have funds that I can, you know, kind of support while I am kind of staying afloat and trying to do what I'm doing. But what have you been up to? I know that you're like staying with family and your fiance is still working. He's an essential worker. So like, how is everything like managing for you being apart from him and like living with your whole family at once? (laughs) Yes. It's been, you know, it's actually been not as bad as I thought. I think if you would talk to us at Christmas time, when we were all home from school or, you know, off work or whatever, we were, and somebody asked, you know, do you think you could all be together for two months between spring and summer and like, can't go anywhere, see your friends do anything? We would have all been like, hell no, Every, we all be losing our minds. And I think the first couple of weeks were really tough, but um, we've actually been able to really get closer and bond. We did have a death in our family, my grandfather. So that's been really tough, but we've been able to kind of pull together. And I think being together has made that a little bit easier more manageable. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, like, just thanks for your suggestion. Cause again, Serenity is my best friend. She knows basically everything about me. And um, you know, you've experienced the loss of your grandparents. And so I really leaned on you to help me figure out how I can help my parents and help myself. And, you know, you suggested going to see my grandma every single day. And that's literally what we've done every single day. My family and I have gone and talked to her through the window, through, you know, speakerphone and yeah. just, that's been the, the uplifting thing of everyone's day. So, uh, and we actually recently just did that on my mom's side because I hadn't seen them since February. Um, so, oh, you're a bacha. Yep, yep. <laughs> we went to Scarborough and it was a quick, it wasn't that like long, but it was, it was good, you know? So, but yeah, Rashid's still working. I mean, I, I, myself as a doula, I'm not working. There is a little bit of a divide in the doula community on whether or not we should. Some people really mm-hmm. truly believe that we're, we are essential um, and that we should be working, you know, to protect mothers and families and whatnot. I don't personally have, and I'm not saying that these individuals do, I personally don't have that savior complex. I believe mm-hmm. that families, women, birthing people have been birthing since the dawn of time. And absolutely, there has been challenging times where they need someone there to help advocate for them, but I don't think everybody needs that. And I think this is an opportunity for people to really rely on each other, partnerships, and that doula maybe be the, mm-hmm. the preparation guide. Because, um, you know, hospitals are not going to allow doulas in for a while. And even going into people's homes is, you know, you, the quality right. control is not there. So personally, because I'm living with five people where we haven't gone anywhere, we haven't worked, I don't feel safe going out and then coming home here. Right. So, um, right. My fiance is working. He is considered essential. He's an electrician. Um, so yeah, I haven't really seen him or like touched him. <laughs> Are you virtually dating? Yep. Virtual dates. <laughs> you know, you know, when my, when my grandfather passed, he came by, you know, several times to drop off things and, you know, we video call every day. It's obviously not the same, right? But yeah, eight weeks is a long time. <laughs> so until yeah. I move in with him this summer, um, I won't be, I probably won't be going back to work just to maintain safety for my family. And I don't know if you know this, but here in uh, Ontario or Canada, the, there's the question now of whether or not they're going to open schools in the fall, more, more like colleges and universities, because California has already basically told everybody, like, there's no school until January, um, like in-person classes. And 
mm-hmm. I've been talking to my sisters because they're in, going into second year, one's going into first year, you know, her whole senior year has been ruined and it's been really mentally tough for her. Yeah. Um, she's just like, if I have to do my first semester of school online, I'm not going, I'm, I'm taking it off. I'm not paying all that money to not have that experience mm. and to do it online when she's already been like er- other kids struggling to adapt to completely online everything. Right. So I don't blame her. Right. Right. Yeah, but, absolutely. But I mean, for myself, it's been like these, co- our conversations, the podcast, love my walks. You know, some people don't care about wearing masks or social distancing when you're on your walk. So you kind of are walking around like, don't get so close to me. <laughs> You're doing like a snake. The street. Yeah. Yeah. So it feels weird, you know, even going to the grocery store, like it's, I don't know if we're ever going to mentally go back to where we were until there is a vaccine. And that's a whole other conversation so that we won't get into, but um, just those are the things that have been keeping me afloat for sure. Yeah, I definitely feel the disconnect from humans. Like I'm looking people dead in their eye and they're like avoiding you at all costs, you know? And it's, I know it's not personal. Obviously everyone's trying to do what's, you know, best for themselves, but it's, it still sits with me. Like I'm still walking and I'm like, wow, are we ever going to be okay where we're, we're looking and we feel confident or comfortable? Like, when are we going to get back to that space? And, you know, you were mentioning about going into people's homes. Um, my 98 year old great grandmother um had a shower for the first time since the pandemic this week and that's because I we went to her home and showered her um she lives with my uncle who is who she's not comfortable with you know seeing her naked um so she's kind of refused and he hasn't been feeling comfortable having you know a stranger their into their home because she also goes to four other clients in a day um so that was a really moving kind of like moment for me that myself and my sister could go to you know her home and you know put her in the shower and help her scrub and just do all of the stuff and get her you know showered again um and you know throw on fresh clothes and you know you know put her back into bed but that was you know she's 98 and I was even worried just going over there you know just from me not being safe enough for her but I mean we haven't really gone anywhere we haven't spoken to anybody we haven't had any interaction interactions on any other humans uh, minus myself going to the doctor but um yeah it was it was very moving you know and I was very fortunate that I was able to do something like that for her because it has literally been over a month that she hasn't really you know she's obviously wiping but she's not getting like sanitized cleaned out um so that was really really nice to be able to go and just do that favor for him um because Mm -hmm. he was really stressing and you know he he didn't she didn't feel comfortable with him doing it and he also didn't know how to ask Mm -hmm. um and we called to wish him a happy birthday and he he's like yeah how's granny doing like you know he's like oh well she doesn't really showered and I was like we're coming over. Yeah. <laughs> if she's okay with us doing it, like we're coming. So, you know, super, and I super think, grateful to do that. I think that that's like what the, I don't want to say the benefit in all of this, but you know, in, in everyone's attempt to find some meaning out of this, I think the, the time that people spend that need, they need to be by themselves, they need to withdraw like you did. And like I even did in the early weeks, I think we're getting to a point now where people are definitely craving more of that um, interaction. So they're, we're coming up with creative ways to do that. Like I said, you know, talking to my grandma through the window, you know, you just, you're checking in maybe a family that maybe you wouldn't normally consistently do. I mean, I don't know, maybe you did, but, and then through that, you've been able to help in ways that again, you would have never been able to before. 
And I think this whole experience has really allowed us to slow down, allowed us to re, Mm -hmm. you know, self-reflect, reevaluate, review, you know, when and if things go back to normal, what do we want to even go back? Like, what do we want to bring back to that quote unquote normal, you know, from our previous life to now? And I think in that slowdown, I personally, and I know that maybe you have an experience like this, I've been reviewing a lot about myself, my own body, my own thoughts, my own plans, you know, what do I want to do moving forward? Um, So I'm curious about your experience in that reevaluation and and maybe things that you've taken away or added to um, since this whole time. Um, Gosh, one of the things that uh, I've been contemplating that I finally went through with uh, this week, I haven't been feeling very well, very unrelated to COVID, um, but I went to my doctor and found out that my um, IUD was going to be up in July. And I have thought about this for almost an entire year where I was like, maybe I should just take this thing out. I don't really think it's serving its purpose for me anymore. Um, I had originally put it in when I went in for surgery four years ago for my ovarian cyst. And it's kind of just always been there. I have not really experienced my life past my, after my surgery without having, you know, a synthetic hormone. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really hit me until I started having more conversations with you about what this is potentially doing to my body and, you know, the side effects from it, um, long-term and short-term. And I was like, all right, I'll get, I'm just going to take this thing out. So yesterday I went to the doctors, I had it removed, you know, got a pap smear and did all the extra tests. And I'm just super, super looking forward to finding myself again, Mm -hmm. because I really do feel like I've had a severe disconnect from my body, from my spirit, from my, my cycle, from my everything. And it's, it's crazy because up my period used to be something I would actually look forward to Mm -hmm. like, and not in the sense like, Oh, I'm not pregnant. It was oh my God, I'm going to get so much shit done in this week that I had my period because that was the time I was the most creative. It was the time that I was the most in tune with my body. It was the Mm -hmm. time that I was the most energized. I could work out for hours. Like I was constantly, if I wanted to get something done in, in the right way, in a positive way, in a progressive way, I would wait until I got my period to do it. That's how much I relied on my thinking and my process for my period in my life. Mm -hmm. And, um, to see that kind of fade literally drastically immediately after my surgery, that's kind of just went completely haywire, um, has been a really scary experience. And that again was four years ago. So it's kind of just been in this limbo phase. Um, so I'm excited that it's been taken out and that's been a part of my reflection. It's like thinking more about the inward part of me, like mm-hmm. going inwards, you know, seeking deeper inside of myself and trying to figure out, you know, what's going to work best for me. And I think that this is the right step in the right direction. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of just going to play that out. And I've been super fortunate to, again, have a friend like you who I can kind of have these kind of conversations with and be like, Hey, what does this mean? And what about this one? And what do you think about that? And then I pull um, out my book and I'm like, well, <laughs> let's have some tea. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. But that's kind of where I have been. And this whole pause and what this pause has been for me, it's just trying to reflect within myself. And like you said, just trying to figure out where I want to go next, what it is I'm trying to do. You know, the birth of this podcast is, is really, really important to me. And I was thinking about it yesterday and I was like, you know, I don't want to talk of this. Like I want 
make sure that we do this and we hold each other accountable and this becomes a thing that we carry on for years. Like I want it to be that for us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I've started projects before in the past that have kind of just like, oh, I don't more. I'm like, I'm over it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really trying to just follow my passions, you know, instead of following the money or following um, what other people think I should be doing. It's like, follow what really makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I've been able to reflect on and do during this like pause during this, during this time. So super I grateful. Love I love that. And I mean, you know, what we're, what we're thinking of naming this podcast episode was, you know, in your feelings. And I think, again, with the whole COVID conversation and time that we're living through and this pause, like you've mentioned, you know, we can really take the time to actually go inward and feel that. Um, you know, it's funny, I actually saw a picture of uh, a vulva, like a, a female a woman's vulva. And then I saw a mm-hmm. picture of a vocal cord. And they're, they look almost exactly the same the structure, the wow. anatomy. And that's just show to me, that just shows, again, what we don't know, but the power of our female body, our female biology is so much tied to our, our voice, so much tied to our identity mm-hmm. and who we are. It's, it's all cyclical. It all works together. And, you know, in our attempt, I think, to become more like men in our patriarchal society, which, you know, we've had to try and adapt mm-hmm. and become more of, I think we've suppressed the inner knowings that we all have as, as females or uh, those who identify as absolutely and the power of who we are is in, is in our voice. And I think there's been so many anecdotal stories of people who have had sexual trauma or birth trauma or what have you trauma to those, to that area of your body, that power, that's Mm. part of the chakras and then people's voices not being able to come out, their creativity, not being unleashed, them not speaking their truth. They're not connecting to the creative things that they did pre-trauma or pre, you know, shutting down of that whole part of their being. Um, and I, I have an example of, you know, of what that looks like for me. Um, in this time, I become more internal and focused on how can I heal my hormones? Because I definitely have a hormone, hormonal imbalance like yourself with PCOS. And so I knew something was wrong. I didn't know what it was, but something was wrong. Um, it wasn't extreme, but just was like, I didn't feel good in a large part of my cycle. So I was talking to my fiance, who was my boyfriend at the time. And he was like, well, why don't you just go to the doctor? And I was like, oh, doctors, they're not going to tell me anything. And he was like, go. <laughs> Cause I, I, and he, and he's not really even somebody who usually says that. Cause he also kind of feels the same way, but for some reason he was like, yeah, just go. So I go to the walk-in clinic that's near my house. Cause I don't, I didn't have a family First doctor. Mistake. <laughs> and because the family doctor I had before, not so great. So I was like, you know what? I'll just go to this guy. So I go to this guy, this um, older, middle-aged kind of man, and I'm explaining to him, you know, that I'm having pelvic pain or, you know, my periods are really long and heavy, whatever. I'm explaining these things to him. And I'm like, I just would like, based on my research, I didn't say this part, but based on my research, I'd love um, to be referred to a transvaginal ultrasound and a pelvic pelvic, um, ultrasound. So I'm very clear. I'm not even asking him to like figure it out or use the brain. I'm just, I'm very clear about what I'm asking for. Like, I know what I need. (laughs) Exactly. And also, you know, I live in Canada. I, we pay taxes. This is part of our universal healthcare. I don't have to pay for this. Right. So let me access the things that I'm paying for, um, through my taxes. And he goes on he's just like, well, I don't really think it's necessary. Pain is not enough of a reason to, to have that. Like we're going back and forth now. And then I'm trying to calmly and respectfully explain to him, okay, I hear what you're saying, but this is what I want. And he's cutting me off 
we're almost yelling at this point behind closed doors in this doctor's office. And I'm just, at the end of it, I'm just like, okay, you know what? Can I just have the test that I pay for, that I'm, that I'm asking for? And finally he's like, okay, fine, fine. I'll, we'll do the test, but it's probably going to be nothing. So I come out of this totally dejected. My boy, I'm exhausted by trying to fight for my voice, fight for my rights, for him to totally disbelieve me, right? So I go get the test done, mm-hmm. it's all done by uh, women. Um, and then I get a call from that doctor's office that I need to come in and discuss my results. Again, I had no idea what, what was going to be coming. Come back, not the same doctor. Of course, he's on vacation. This male doctor is much nicer. Mm-hmm. And basically, I, had a fibro- I have fibroids. I have uh, a semi-large fibroid. And this is putting right. pressure on my uterus. And, you know, the whole idea of a fibroid, when we're talking about, like, what does this spiritually mean? And this is, this is the kind of woo-woo side that I get into. What does it spiritually mean when you have PCOS? What does it spiritually mean when you have a fibroid? Fibroid is usually repressed creativity, rep- repressing your voice and your truth, um, and not being able to get over some kind of betrayal. So now, mm-hmm. now that I recognize that and I pushed for this test to know what the problem is, I can do the things scientifically, biologically that I need to do to re- rectify that. But I can also do right. things emotionally because wow. when, the, when you think about disease, it's dis-ease. It's a body that's not at ease. So what is emotionally happening to you to manifest in your body these, this inflammation, this dis-ease among your cells? And what can right. you do emotionally to clear that? So that's the journey that I've been on. And I tell this story to every woman I know. And, it's like, and I just like, please fight. I know you're going to be tired. Yes. I know you're going to be dejected, but just fight and use your voice. Yeah. I mean, I would even go one step further and um, at least putting some kind of note on that doctor's file, because I mean, there's obviously proof now that you were correct in your findings and, you know, what you wanted to do was the right thing. Um, And I've done that before. I have, I've up doctors before through their colleges and you know just if I'm not I'm not looking to get anybody fired but I need other people to know that Mm -hmm. what that person did was not okay um almost downright near like unethical probably not legal you know they don't think you know your rights so they just tell you whatever they want to tell you um and nine out of ten times if you tell them you're having any area in your abdomen and it's you know cramps they're like oh go on the pill yeah oh get birth control like that is the number one cure for everything. And it's so maddening because you run the test, do the dirty work so that we can work together to get over this thing. But, you know, again, in more research that I do, I find that our anatomy is not historically um, documented correctly, you know, and it's, it's been passed along through generations you know when we first started opening up women in cavities, it's like we did they didn't we didn't look normal we didn't look human to them and mm-hmm. the information that they were putting into books and textbooks and and you know in our history is that our body is this very weird thing conspiracy Mysterious. that they don't understand mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's scary because it's you you do see doctors and again predominantly males mm-hmm. um who believe that you know that is the cure for everything it's just you know give them these hormones and a little thing and it's like I'm not hysterical you know I need assistance with the thing that I have a problem with you know yeah Yeah. but yeah I totally totally relate to that and the thing is so a couple things here disproportionately and again for these for our viewers if you don't know what we look like we're two women of color we're two black girls black women and uh, blessed with melanin and 
you know, the reality is dis- disproportionately black women are not uh, taken seriously when it comes to their healthcare. And this is not just me, you know, in my feelings about that. This is scientific, especially because like I said, I'm a doula and we see that in the birth world, there is this belief that women in general and definitely women of color have a higher pain tolerance. Um, mm. And the, the, there's not a, there's not a much incentive financially for these pharmaceutical companies and these whatever else to, to invest in research in women's health uh, outside right. of creating some kind of drug. And the thing is, is, you know, hormonal birth control is amazing. It's amazing because it's given women choice. But the thing is, historically, when we look at why it was created, it was created for women who were at the end of their reproductive years, who didn't, who had all their kids already, who didn't want to have, when they had relations with their husband, didn't want to have their eighth, ninth, 10th child, you know, because right. you're just having sex, right? So that's what it was created for. And then it was, cre- and then it was opened up for women who are younger to have sense of liberation and freedom, which is amazing. But the problem is, is that it's not like a benign vitamin. It's a major drug mm-hmm. that's, that's altering a very powerful hormonal brain physiological conversation in your body. Like it's not like a little thing. And so the fact mm-hmm. that we don't know a lot about it and we're taking this drug to, to deal with acne, like that's, there's, we got to ask some more questions here. And I'm not saying question right. your doctor, but just ask questions. And I don't think that we should be right. berated because we're asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. I've even had a doctor ask me um, if I went to college. Like that's how far Why the is conversation that went. Um, because I was fighting for, for, to get testing done and very, very similar scenarios. And he's like, you know, are you in like university? And I was like, I'm not sure what this has to do with anything, but I'm well equipped to have a conversation with you and also (sighs) express my feelings. And I shouldn't have to feel like I'm being belittled because I don't have the same diet, like, you know, vocabulary as you. And it wasn't even about the vocabulary. It was just, I was insisting on something that he claimed was unethical and not the, you know, the right next move, so to speak. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, find somebody else to talk to. Um, But I did meet a uh, gynecologist in New York um, through, uh, through another, through through a friend and um, I'm super excited about that kind of journey that I will start with her because mm. she is um, very like just direct, very to the point. She's also a female, you know, I explained to her about my aunt for getting a hysterectomy um, or some, something similar to that. And she kind of explained it to me, you know, your, your womb is literally like a bookshelf. And when you take one of the books out of the bookshelf, things start to kind of fall over. And she said, you know, some of these things are still functioning and still necessary for your body to, you know, do all the things that it's doing in its everyday life. And if you take out that particular book, you're going to kind of disrupt the whole thing. And the thing is, it was so simple Mm -hmm. and such a graphic thing for me to just, okay, this is, I get it now. Like, I understand where she's coming from. She's not saying don't do anything. She's just saying, we got to look at the books. Yeah. That's literally what she was explaining to me. And I was like, wow, this, this breakdown was so simple and so easy to digest that I, I'm willing to have a conversation about my alternative options yes. because you broke it down for me to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. That, that makes sense, you know? But so That's their job. Like that, their job I know, is but to this- educate and share that information. So like, like, I'm glad that that happened, but that, is, that should be the standard. 
And I'm, I'm glad that you have that in New York, honestly. Um, and I mean, I don't yeah. want this to be like a rant session because again, we're so grateful for doctors, you know, to, to have them deal with things in an emergency and all that kind of stuff. Like we're so, so grateful, but two resources that I really love just to give our, our listeners, um, something to read, um, two women, um, that I really follow who understand who, one of which is a gyne- a board certified gynecologist and the other is a functional, um, functional doctor, Elisa Vitti. She talks all about hormonal health and how to reverse hormonal imbalances and has a really practical way of doing that. And then the, one of the pioneers of health, she was on Oprah like 10 times. Her name is Dr. Christian Northrup. She has a book um, called Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. And so she was on the forefront of this in the mid to eight, late 80s and early 90s to the point where she knew this intuitively, but because she didn't want to have her you know, her certification removed from her, she had to kind of say things on the DL. But she would have, you know, meetings with clients, maybe who like myself, who had fibroids or had PCOS or, you know, had experienced rape or whatnot, and were having public issues. And she intuitively knew that there was some kind of connection. But of course, her male doctor colleagues were like, well, you just get the quacks. You just get the crazy clients. All of my clients are fine. Like, I don't know what you're doing. But She's just like, no, like there is a connection, but they were just like, well, if I can't diagnose this with drugs or a surgery, I don't know what to do. Um, right, right. So yeah, just some resources for you guys to, to, to look into if you're more passionate about this. But for me, the point is, is really take this time to look inward and find, rediscover what your voice sounds like um, and how you can use it. Yeah, definitely. Another book um, on the topic of books that I started reading was um, it's called The Vagina Bible, and it's by Dr. Jen Gunter. And it just raw, real, almost too raw and real <laughs> definition and like explanations of like our body and just the whole vagina from our clitoris to like the minor labia and the major labia, like the whole thing that it just names that like you, you just call it the vagina, like that's it. And there's so many other things going on on the inside and the outside and like the layers like that go into our vagina that we just don't ever talk about. Like mm-hmm. most people's education on vaginas was like grade nine health class. Like that was the, that's the extent of most people's understanding of their vaginas. Um, and that's, you know, definitely men just just if they can find the clip you know hallelujah but other than that it's like (laughs) it's 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 like a toss-up like you don't even know what you're what you're getting into you don't know what's going on so that's another really good book um the bible the vagina bible that i kind of dug into and and read and kind of do not take lightly because it helped a lot i love that and just even um podcast like just explore start exploring different people and again it might sound or might be like really new there's this woman who um really pushes my uh comfort levels when i'm listening to her her name is kim anami and she considers herself the vaginal kung fu uh master and so she does like vaginal mm-hmm. weightlifting and it's all about in po- like building what? up the pelvic floor <laughs> yes and she's all about different ways to explore your sexuality and and honor it and just you know she goes into topics that not very many people talk about or maybe even are a little afraid of i'll put my hand up but now i can listen and learn more so i don't have to be afraid right i don't have to go to like not that i would want right. to but I, have, I don't have to go to porn to learn about that thing she can bring some scientific information 
um, and make me feel more comfortable and like, okay, maybe I can look more into that or not. Right. So Kim and Ami is a great person. Um, And just, you know, we want to hear from you. Like what are, what are some experiences that you've had in your female health journey? Um, Different experiences you've had where you've been shut down or you've really fight, you've really fought for your voice um, so we can empower other women. And for myself, I will say after that whole experience with that doctor, I find a new doctor, new family doctor, this amazing woman. Her name is actually Tanisha. She's great. Um, and, oh, shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got referred to an, a gynecologist. The gynecologist was nice, but, you know, she was pushing some things on me uh, that were kind of seeming like my only option. And when I asked about alternative things like diet or lifestyle, she wasn't as supportive as that. And so, you know, it was in that moment that I was like, my goodness, if I didn't have this experience to educate myself, to ask questions, I would have just said yes and had to go, based on her mm-hmm. advice, go into early menopause and then have to take all these additional drugs to, co- to combat the early menopause because I'm only 31 and I still want to have kids. And I'm not, I'm not insured right now because I'm a self-employed person. So I'd have to pay out of pocket for all of these drugs. Like, thank goodness. I was like, yeah, no. No, I'm okay. I'll try something else first. <laughs> you know, can you read a few more books? Yeah, let me just. And then, if anything, I'll come back, and then maybe, yeah, you know. So, just encourage you to to fight for yourself. Yes, be your own advocate. I cannot stress that enough. Be your own advocate because it is, especially for women of color, especially for women. But just be your own advocate. It is so 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 crucial to. Um, your livelihood, essentially, you know, especially in today's climate with just everything that's going on. Um, I think being able to speak up for yourself and whatever situation that you're in is super, super important. This, you know, I'm even talking about, you know, domestic violence abuse that's going on. And, you know, those numbers are, are also increasing. It's just, this is the time to speak up, speak your truth, um, know your work, understand, you know, your situations and like push through them. You know, this is, this is really that time. I love that. Um, I just wanted to share, it's not my own scientific research, but it just jazzes me up. And I just want to leave some scientific research for our readers about why we are so lucky that we, when we were given the roulette, um, you know, draw, luck of the draw, and we got our XX chromosome and we, and we were female, that it really may be against what society tells us. We're not the weaker sex. We're not disadvantaged. We're actually extremely advantaged that we just don't know. So I'm just going to dive in and just share with you why you are a badass in com- literally in comparison to men. We love men. Okay. This is not a, a man bashing thing. We love them for you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cause I know put down, put down your thumbs. Okay. People, men are great. Sure. But this is why we're awesome too. Um, and you didn't know. So when it comes to just our brain as a female, okay, and I'm speaking to individuals who physiologically have ovaries or a uterus, um, gender, I'm supportive of however you identify. But if you have a uterus or ovaries uh, or you bleed, this is what's your, your advantage in your brain. So we have a bigger prefrontal cortex. So this is the part of the brain where executive decision-making is higher. You have a higher cognitive function. You're planning an organization is top notch. You have a better impulse control. You have better judgment, and you have a faster uptick in, in empathy. And the whole notion of you know what they used to say when we were kids: oh, girls mature faster than boys. That's why they're so silly. Which I always thought was a cop out, which maybe it is, but 
this actually physiologically does develop faster in females, which is why we do mature faster than guys. Um, we also have a bigger hippocampus, and this is the part of the brain where emotional memory and long-term memory formation is, is best. So this is why we have emotional ties to memory. This is why we can remember a first date, an anniversary, um, something traumatic, you know, or something really positive when it comes to our physiology. Anything that's an emotional tie, we ain't forgetting it. And I'm sure we've got many stories of that. Um, we have a, a smaller amygdala. So this area governs fear and anger. So it's smaller in women. So I see this as we are able to better diffuse tense situations without blowing up. But we're also not afraid when it comes to like mama bear type of you know mentality. We're not afraid to tell you what we got to tell you to make sure that our people are safe, right? Then we have a bigger insula. So this is the area of the brain that um, houses gut feeling and intuition. So I think we can all agree that we generally women have a more developed intuition, you know, gut feeling. But I think it was as a kid anyway, it was always like brushed off as like an old, old wives tale, like not anything scientifically substantial, but it is. And really what is intuition? It's the pro it's you processing facts with feelings and what's going on in your external situation and coming to a resolve or an action plan to move forward. And we're better able to do that faster. We have a bigger anterior cingulate, which is the part of the brain where it allows us to take our time to make decisions so that when we make that decision, we have less regret. Um, and I think that this is really great when it comes to, you know, I don't want to go back in time and, and rethink my decision because I took the time to make the right one. We also have a bigger corpus callosum, um, which is the bundle of nerve fibers in the brain that connects the right and the left hemisphere. So the right and left hemisphere usually... Um, one is more creative and one is more logical. So at certain times of the month, we, we actually have a, an ability to cross-pollinate both sides and uh, synthesize data and information. I see this as that means we're even greater at problem solving, biologically, right? Because if you can look at the emotional creative side and you can look at the logical side and not just one linear, you know, that's, you're going to have a well-rounded ability to, make, to problem solve. And all of this is just your brain. So biologically, this is why we're better, <laughs> if I can even say that. Um, and then when it comes to our lifestyle, immunity-wise, if we choose to have kids, of course nature would give us a much better immune system than men. I mean, we're gonna, if we're going to possibly 3D print tiny humans, we need to be able to have and maintain a better immune system to take care of and grow these little tiny humans, right? So we have increased disease resistance, which we've actually seen in cases of COVID there are more cases of men having it than women. And when it comes to the recovery there, you know, anecdotally, um, we can maybe find the research in our show notes, the recovery is higher among women than men. And then when it comes to our metabolism, so weight loss, there's always this like fight between, you know, if a man goes on a diet and a woman goes on a diet, he always loses the weight faster, right? I mean, I, I saw that with my parents when they did Weight Watchers yes. years ago. <laughs> and it, it's so annoying for women, right? And I don't blame them. But the thing is, is that men are nutrient wasters and women or females are nutrient uh, retainers. So it takes longer for food and drinks and all that stuff to go through our body because we're trying to extract all the goodness, you know, to again, because we have to create an endometrial lining from nothing every single month. Whether there's an implantation and in pregnancy is irrelevant, but we got, this has to just come out of thin air. So we have to get all those nutrients from everything that we're ingesting 
and men don't. So if you have a man and a woman go to a bar and they both have a pint of beer, he's going to go to the washroom first before she will because it just goes right through him. So I see this as a benefit. And lastly, our stress response. So any human um, and any man, any menopausal woman and any child, they have cortisol that runs through them when they're stressed. That's the stress hormone. Women in our reproductive years, we get that as we get that as well, but we also get increased oxytocin. And oxytocin is the love hormone, it's the bonding hormone. So they call the tending and befriending. So what I see is that is if there's ever a crisis, I want to be around a female. I want to be around a woman, or maybe people want to be around me or you, because we're going to have a groupthink approach to dealing with this crisis. What's going to be in the best interest of everyone? For everyone to feel safe and and like we can move forward as opposed to a linear you know this is the way it has to be um now again this is a generalization some women have you know really uh, attuned themselves to be more masculine um, and are not as in tune with this which is fine but this is the innate advantage that we have and if we can tap into that we can see clearly from the brain point of view and the lifestyle point of view we're wired for leadership so this whole question of like, yeah. are we, can we do this? Can we do that? No, we're literally physically wired to lead the home, to lead companies, to lead the world. And there should be no question about that. And patriarchy has gone into immense money and, and, and campaign efforts to tell us otherwise. And this is the time to reclaim our time, to reclaim our space. I love everything that you just said. Like, what a mouthful. I need to rewind and listen again. (laughs) That was freaking amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that because that's not just beneficial for me. That's just, that's just beneficial for everybody. I I love that. So, um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go back and listen to this again, just to (laughs) recap what you just said. Um, and you're right. I think, I think I do believe that not just even with us, but I think just in general, there's a shift. And mm-hmm. I do believe that people, particularly women, particularly women of color, particularly people of color, um, mm-hmm. are shifting and are researching and they're learning and they are um, wanting to do better for themselves. And I'm, and I'm really excited about the fact that that's where we are going with our society. I know that there's, there's a lot of things that we still have to work on and we're obviously going backwards in certain things, but I do know, um, you know, thankful for social media and just, you know, there's, there's a love hate relationship with that, but you can learn so much and do so much and see so much through other people's lenses, um, that allow you to, you know, grow. And that's, that's something that I'm, I'm super excited to do with you on the show. Um, mm-hmm. because you are just a ball of knowledge like and you've always been this person for me I remember saying that earlier um where you're coming out with your book and you're like and this is what it looks like and I'm like bitch I don't even know what this is <laughs> I need you to explain what I'm looking at so that I can digest this info like you um you've just always been that person so I'm I'm, su- I'm really really excited to continue to grow and learn and understand my body more understand just things in general like you're so spiritual I want to do more things about horoscopes and like the new moons and I'm learning a little bit from my sister too because she like this was this is crazy I have to just say this so um the last new the last full moon was like last week I guess 
And my sister was like, I gotta charge my crystals. So she gathered all of her crystals mm -hmm. into a tote bag and filled up two mason jars full of water to have like new moon water. And I was like, what is this? I've never heard of this before. And yes. she drinks the water or yes. she'll like sprinkle the water around. And I'm like, wow, you are not who I thought you were. <laughs> like, I want to learn. Like, I need to know how to do yes. this shit. And I just, I know that you are definitely another person I could talk to about it. But yes. yeah, I am so excited to share more of that kind of stuff. Because again, it's just coming back into myself and just becoming one with my spirit and doing more for my body than I have been in the past. And I think that's a part of it. It's just trying to seek out things that I can feel, but I've been ignoring or repressing or, you know, trying to hold down because I, I don't understand it. You know, yeah. and that's, I think, is a lot of people struggle is that they don't get it. So they're like, oh, I'm just going to not think about it. You know, yeah. I don't know what's going on. So I'm just going to like remove myself and remove those feelings that come along with that particular part of that journey. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, oh I love that. So, and I just have to give credit. All of that information I did, again, I did not, did not make it up. It was from the book uh, In the Flow by Lisa Vitti. But I love that you were saying about your sister with the, with the full moon, new moon water. A little uh, tidbit. I usually charge my water in the sun to energize it because I don't, I don't drink coffee. I'm not, I don't like, I've never liked it. It just, it doesn't work for me. Um, so when you put it in a glass in the sun, it actually, you'll notice that it oxygen it gets oxygenated and there's lots of bubbles that just appear out of nowhere. And I know once that's mm -hmm. happened that the water is energized. Um, and then honestly, I take that water and I'm like good to go for the rest of the day. So that's like a little. Wow. So just like warm water. No, no, it's just, it could be cold. It's just that it's in a glass and the sunlight is able to go through the glass into the water. Like the sun is energizing. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And then if I'm you want to get if you want to get more <laughs> woo-woo, like, gosh, sorry guys, like this, we're going deep. If you have a glass <laughs> that's colored to a particular chakra that you're struggling to get through or have energy flow through, like I have a, um, a glass jar of water that's blue and blue is you're connected to your throat chakra, which is connected to your voice. Right. So whenever I'm about to do a big speech or something like that, I will either wear blue or I'll drink the water from that, um, from that glass to help encourage the opening of that, of that chakra. Wow. And it's, it's weird. I, Cause I did one Reiki session and that was the chakra that I needed to work on was my voice. That was, that was the one that she said was um, very stifled. And I was wow. like, girl, I don't understand what you're saying, but I know I got to work on this. And I never saw her again. <laughs> but, Buy those crystals, yeah. wear blue, whatever, whatever. Well, anyway, we can talk after, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another episode, whole another episode just on crystals and chakras. And I think you would be able to, I need to do more research. I can obviously comment on it altogether, but yeah, there's, there's so many things that we are going to be able to talk about. Like, I love it. I'm so, ex I'm so excited for the community that's <laughs> going to follow. I mean, again, we're not doing this right now <laughs> to get sponsors and become famous or anything. That's not the goal. It's just that we a, want to connect on a, at least a weekly or biweekly basis because, again, we don't live in the same city, country anymore. Um, and all the years of the conversations that we've had, like, we just have so much to share and we want our voices to be here, heard. We want people who look like us to feel represented and to um, know that they can share their voices as well. And anybody, anybody. Yeah. So good. So, so, so good. Are we, is our time almost up? I don't even know how long we've been talking for. I, can't I feel like we've been going on for a while, but I'm not, I'm not sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. 
Good. As long as we're recording. Oh yeah, we're good. <laughs> okay, cool. So I just want to recap. Thank you guys so much for listening. We are super, super grateful to have you in our space, to have you a part of our community. And if you liked this podcast and want to hear more from us, please comment because we definitely are going to like look at our comments and look at our feedback and obviously try to cater things more to you, our listeners. Um, but don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast, PS Are Loved, and stay tuned for the next one. I can't wait. Bye, guys. Bye.